dear friends, welcome to Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner. This episode is going to be a solo cast. That's just me sharing some thoughts with you, some musings that have been tumbling around in my brain for, oh, I don't know, the past few weeks and well, certainly since I came back from my most recent trip to one of my most favorite spots on the planet, Teotihuacan in Mexico, just outside of Mexico City. I was there in mid-December with my teacher, Lee McCormick, and a group of women. And it was, number one, such a super special treat to be there during this time of the pandemic where I honestly haven't traveled at all. I was in Australia and New Zealand with Krishna on tour last February, almost the whole month. And when we got back, that was it. Here we are, you know, almost a year later. And getting on the plane to go down to Teo was the first time I'd gotten on a plane since then, which is outside of the normal cycle that I had been in, like I think probably probably many of you. So again, it was just a, such a treat one that I could travel and be down there and go back to this place that I love so much called the Dreaming House, La Casa de los Sueños, which is right where Teotihuacan is. And one of the best things about going back to the Dreaming House. I've been going there for 12 years since December of 2008 and it hasn't changed. I mean, it's grown and they've added to it, but it has a sense of familiarity and timelessness and depth that I value so much because so much so many other things in my life have changed and have evolved or have been born and died and shifted and grown and still the dreaming house is there with the family Alberto and Veronica and their children and the amazing staff and the wonderful you know traditional village Mexican food and of course Teo and going there with my teacher Lee McCormick who I who I mentioned before and he's been on our podcast on my podcast Number 34, we did a conversation last year. Maybe it's about time that we I have a full conversation with him again. That'll be interesting. We talked last March and the title of the conversation came out of his mouth. It was the meltdown of the whole of reality for real. I don't know if the whole of reality has totally melted down. Maybe it's a slow dissolve process. We'll see. But Lee is a Toltec teacher in the tradition of Don Miguel Ruiz, the Nagwals, and the Eagle Knight tradition. And I've been studying with him for over a decade and going to Teo and the Dreaming House again and again to recharge and realign and <sighs> train my attention and work through my own limits. And it's powerful, deep work. And that's why I keep going back. So again, going there this past December was uh, even more intense and amazing. 
Of course, it was different because you couldn't climb the Pyramid of the Sun or the Temple of the Moon or go into many of the other plazas, though we have our ways to get into some that are very important, like the place of the women. But the Titla was closed and Tepantitla was closed. And so a lot of the spots you couldn't go into. And we were, so we were on a different journey than we normally are. But it also felt like it lended itself to because there's been less traffic, less human footprints wandering through this ancient site, that the energy was quite potent and pure and deep. And the energy of Guadalupe, Tonantzin, was so big and present as well. And anyways, what I wanted to share with all of you was the art of attention and the art of attention or the power of attention is, is a core concept in the Toltec work and not to go into great detail around it, but just to point out that what you give your attention to matters. And I think it matters more. It feels like it matters more now than ever And I say that because it feels like our attention is being pulled in so many different directions, especially with the screens that are in our face all of the time or in our pockets all the time and the 24-hour news cycle that's up and what's being seen and felt in the news cycle. And it, in some ways, it feels like our culture is predatory and it's feeding off of us. It's feeding off of our attention. Our attention is our greatest currency. It's true that what we give our attention to thrives and grows. What we give our attention to, we're nurturing. And I feel like in lots of ways, we're quite unconsciously giving our attention to what actually doesn't serve us and what doesn't really make us feel good or is for the greater collective that we give our attention unconsciously to the things that make us feel dull or put us back to sleep or stir up dramatic emotions or make us feel depressed or make us feel anxious or make us feel more separated from each other instead of giving our attention to those things that help to bring us in communion and connection and a healing space and forgiveness and compassion, especially, you know, with all of the social media and the scrolling. And I know that so many, especially the young ones, the teens coming up, all that constant scrolling and is creating this energy of comparison or this energy of lack, this energy of I'm not good enough instead of choosing to not do that, not just scroll and get into the cycle of comparison and put their attention instead on what helps them feel good and satisfied and nourished. Maybe it's working on a skill or a talent. Maybe it's doing your homework. Maybe it's having a conversation with a dear friend. Maybe it's, you know, doing your chores, (laughs) things that you're supposed to be doing. And, and 
your attention, it's also an act of will. It doesn't just come by itself. It's, it is an act of will. The art of focusing is an act of will. And you can't do that when you're half asleep. And you can't do that when your mind is lost in the past or future, or you're up in your thoughts, daydreaming somewhere. You pay attention. You have that act of will when you're in the present moment, when you're alert, when you're fully here. And it, the things that can help us in recognizing our attention or the power of our focus and attention are the practices that I offer you, you know, and that have been around for centuries and so many people are doing now, just not me. But that's one reason why I give it to you so much. Meditation, number one, or yoga is one, or bhakti or mantra chanting is one. Meditation is concentration, is absorption, is focus, is sharpening that blade of your willpower to know what you're focusing on. It's by choice. And to keep your attention there when other things are trying to pull at you in different directions. Because your mind will get an appetite for what it is that you have been giving your attention to, to what's familiar to you. So even when you begin a practice like meditation, the mind is going to pull you or try to pull you back into what has been feeding it, those thoughts of anger or jealousy or separation or lack instead of the one-pointed focus that you're trying to cultivate. So it's, it's, um, it's not when you're trying to focus, it's not that I don't want you to have thoughts like I can't do this. This is hard for me. Everybody else can do it better because when I try to focus, it's hard. Or when I try to focus, I have all these other thoughts. It's happens to all of us. It's common. It's difficult to train the mind. It's a muscle you're trying to build that's been atrophied. And slowly over time through practice and repetition, does it get stronger where you can, you can have laser focus. You can be aware of your choice in the moment all of the time. And it's helpful to know that the universe or energy or consciousness, however you want to describe it, does respond to what you give your attention to. There's a, an aphorism in yoga where the mind goes, prana flows, or where the mind goes, energy goes too. What you're putting your attention on gets bigger, gets fed, grows more, gets deeper roots, gets drawn into being. And so where you put your attention, the universe gives you more of the same of that. For example, if I'm in a depressed loop where my thoughts are spiraling around of how I'm not good enough, everything is bad, and my lens is of that, what I will perceive is through that lens 
and everything around me will look bad or I'll look for the negative bad flaw in any situation. Or if I have a lens where my self-talk and my mind is one of compassion, connection, the similarities that we have, then what I will perceive is that, is, is a softness, is a grace, is the gift in the moment, is the abundance in the moment. And not only will I perceive it, but it's what's going to come to me too. I don't want that to sound like the law of attraction, a secrety type stuff, but it's kind of true that the universe gives you more of the same of what you're putting your attention on. So the question is, are you willing to take responsibility for your thoughts? Are you willing to take responsibility for your thoughts? Are you willing to know that it's up to you what you put into your mind, that you're responsible for it, just like you're responsible for what you put into your body. And what you put into your body, how you feed your body matters, right? What you put into your mind also matters, also affects your consciousness and how good you feel or not feel. And then your perception and what you're able to see in the world. And then your perception (laughs) creates what's reflected back to you. And then that's the reality that you're living in. You're creating it by what you're focusing your attention on. It's one of the reasons personally that I love bhakti, that I love devotion, that I love chanting and mantra so much is because I know when I give my time and my energy and my focus to the to a sense of like, I'm going to sing to Hanuman because I love Hanuman and I don't even know if Hanuman's real or not real. I've certainly never seen him though. I have pictures of him everywhere and, and it, I can't be, it can't be defined through the logical mind, but I know when I do it that I feel good and I'd rather give my attention to this form of prayer Instead of scrolling on my phone, I don't need to scroll on my phone any longer. And I'm also at the same time enacting that will part, that attention part where I'm choosing instead of doing the thing that wants to pull my mind to it unconsciously, that I'm feeding all of my energy to without even thinking about it. I'm saying, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing over here that I know is healthy for my psyche and my mind. So I would encourage all of you to begin to be even more aware about your own awareness and what you're giving your attention to. It's so important. It's kind of like the thing, the magical ingredient. I'm reminding myself in the moment as I'm talking about a Hopi elder that I saw speak many, many years ago. And he said, he put a question to us, what do you give God that has everything? God's omnipotent and 
omnipotent and omniscient and all the omnis, what would he even or she even need or want? Because it has everything. And the answer to that is your attention. That's the one thing that God doesn't have is your attention. And I and that I feel is so brilliant and kind of sums up all of the nature of existence for me. What we give our attention to is our power of creation, is our power of perception, is our power of awareness, is our it defines how we feel, defines how we the energy that we carry and you know, if you're having trouble with your attention and you're perhaps spending it in ways that you're recognizing don't serve you, it could be useful to go on a little like fast, an attention fast. For example, I'm not going to look at the news for a week. I'm going to get rid of the news apps on my phone. I'm going to only pay attention to that which makes me feel calm inside versus agitated. I'm not going to listen to NPR in the car. I'm not going to, what? What is it? In what way could you create like sobriety in how you're giving your attention out into the world? And then I would want you to just notice how do you feel and what's happening in your life when you've given yourself one, that break and that reset and you've enacted the quality of willpower and conscious choice as compared to when you don't think about it at all and you just do whatever and your day starts and it goes from here to there and you're not even quite sure how you got from here to there, but it certainly started with scrolling on your phone in bed right when you woke up and scrolling on your phone in bed right before you went to sleep. That's how perhaps many of us navigate through the day. And I say that being one of those as well. It's just as hard for me as it is for you. That's why it's coming up for me, right? Because it's important for me to know too. So I love you all. Just wanted to share that, these nuggets of attention. If you're curious more about the power of attention and Toltec work, one of the simplest things you could do is read the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. In my life, it's one of the foundational cornerstone texts to the path of self-awareness and self-awakening. So The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. So, so fantastic. So good. I love you. I see you. And I hope we can share time and space again soon. 